0: Hello, hello. We're back, baby. Episode 4 of The Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley, and we're back, baby. We got plenty to talk about. Even though only one game has been played between these four teams since the last time we talked, we have plenty, a a plethora of topics, some might even say, to talk about. Um, I think we're going to stick with the same order, and now we don't have any of that nonsense to talk about before, so we can just hop right into it. Um, we're gonna sit with the same order, I think. It's been working. We're four deep already with it. Why not? So, Tigers, Pistons, Wings, Lions. The Tigers. We're going to talk about the free agent market and how it is just passing by Villa and the Tigers, and we sit there just drooling all over ourselves asleep. Um, and then we'll talk. Where I'm gonna start doing prospect. Uh, I don't know about if breakdowns, the right word, but. We talked about in episode two, I think, how we had five prospects in the top 25 in baseball. And I think as the season gets closer, it's important people know uh, their those prospects' status as well as um, my opinion of them. Uh, and, and those two things are really important heading into the year because you know people want to know if we're going to see any of these guys or anything. So uh, we're going to slowly... Start breaking down. We're just going to do Spencer Torkelson today, and then we'll, you know, go go down the list, if you will, down the line. Uh, The Pistons. We'll talk about Jeremy Grant, and then we're going to talk about a massive debate that broke out throughout Pistons Twitter yesterday for quite literally no reason. Killian Hayes is out. Has been out for like two weeks, and will be out for like four to six more. And, And for whatever reason. Somebody did, I didn't go deep enough into the rabbit hole to know uh, the origin. But for whatever reason, man, Killian Hayes was a massive, massive arguing point. And a lot of fights broke out over Piston's Twitter yesterday over Killian Hayes. So we're going to talk about my opinion of him. We kind of talked about him a little bit, uh, what, last episode or two ago? I don't know. Um, But uh, we're going to do a full breakdown, talk about, you know, his selection of, of picking him at seven and his game and all that kind of stuff. Because that's apparently what what everyone's talking about. And we haven't played a game since. so uh, Then with the wings, we're talking about Blashel A lot of interesting stuff on Twitter involving Blashel, um and people's opinions of him. And then uh, the one game that one was played, uh, we, we will discuss the the Tampa Bay Lightning game. Um, game that happened in my world last night, so when you're listening to this two nights ago. And then the Lions, I really want to get my thoughts and opinions of the coaching staff top to bottom, out on air, because it might be my favorite part of the off offseason. Um, it, it's just the overhaul I really like this coaching staff, and I kind of want to go through uh, more in depth of, of each, each hire, each new hire, and talk about why I like them uh, so much. So, um, specifically Aaron Glenn. Aaron Glenn is is Bay, so no more stuff. To talk about at the beginning. We can just jump right into it. These days, we're deep enough in. We're deep enough in. We can jump right into it. No housekeeping crap anymore. All right. So the Detroit baseball Tigers. First off, Chris Archer and Alex Avila both signed, um, and it looks like I'm really hoping that Bauer at least waits until uh like friday evening because i would hate to record this and then have him sign at like 2 a.m tonight and then you're getting old information you know what i mean i just hope he 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 should be nice to me (laughs) uh trevor bauer should care about my schedule okay um but it looks like bauer is gonna sign with the mets relatively soon within the next couple of days at a minimum okay but on topic here, Chris Archer and Alex Avila. Archer goes back to Tampa, which is hilarious. Um, for one year, 6.5 mil, which the Tigers absolutely should have taken. And Alex Avila goes to the Washington Nationals. 2019 champs. Um, for one year in like 1.5 mil or something. Chump change, basically. Um, it's always funny calling 1.5 mil chump change. But. Those two moves happened. Uh, those stick out to me because those are both moves that we probably should have made. And and we'll start with Avila. Uh, it sounds like we were second on his list. It sounds like that was a real possibility, a reunion with him. And we all knew it was because we literally, until we signed Ramos, we quite literally didn't have any, like, if a pitcher threw a ball to home plate, it would just would have hit the, hit the umpire in, in the dick, like, you know, we literally had nothing. We had, we, we had no one back there. So um, uh, we knew a reunion was possible. It sounds like uh, Avila, at the end of the day, wanted to really keep his options open until the last second, which is why he's signing in early February, because he really didn't want to come back by the sounds of it. Uh, it really sounds like he he, uh, he alluded to ring chasing, really wanted to play for a competitive team. Uh, I don't know how competitive this nationals team's really going to be, but they're going to be a hell of a lot more competitive than the tigers, even at their highest ceiling this year are going to be. So whatever, Pro- you know, if that's the most competitive team that offered him a deal, shout out to him, go try and win some. Um, but for that cheap man, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's really hard just being a fan of these teams. Um, Archer's the one that pisses me off a lot. The Archer one genuinely makes me upset. We we've talked about our rotation uh, several times on this show. This rotation is barely five deep. Okay, this rotation is is Turnbull and Boyd solidified. Bingo. Probably Skubal. Probably almost 100% chance Skubal's in there. And then Michael Fulmer. Mm. Okay. I don't think Mize is starting on the opening day roster. Uh, Holland, who is going to be a reliever. He can start if desperately needed. He has started before, but I don't think he is a starter in the year 2021. So he barely even counts. He's a reliever on a minor league deal. And then Urena, Urena, who should probably also be in the bullpen for a halfway decent team. But again, we have no other starters, so I guess he's not. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we circle back to Fulmer, I guess. Like, Fulmer, who couldn't pitch past the third inning in 2020, is apparently magically going to figure out and, and, and return to form just randomly and, and, and purely magically. Ridiculous. This team is so incompetent. And so now, Chris Archer, who you could have gotten for a a former ace, Chris Archer, back in his younger days and before the injury, was an ace, for less than $7 million AAV, you're the third richest owner in baseball, by the way, and you would have it would have been completely taking a chance on a guy. He's coming off an injury. He wasn't good his last season before the injury. That's why he's cheap. If you want to play the cheap game, Chris Archer type deals are the deals you make. That's literally what the cheap game is. Taking chances on dudes that that used to be good and you're hoping for a rebound or that your scouts think, "Hey, like this dude could take a big step forward." Wilson Ramos, in his mid-30s, is not going to magically put together an MVP season that you can trade at the deadline and get something for. Chris Archer has literally proven to be an ace. He's gotten Cy Young votes before. He's been an all-star. The trade was horrible, but he was still flipped at the deadline with the intention of being the ace of, of a team chasing the postseason. It's absolutely absurd that this team did not even give Chris Archer a look. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He is... that Strategically, that is the exact type of move you want to make. The exact move. That's the profile. It's absurd. Pisses me off to no end. Because there's a difference between being cheap and smart and being cheap and stupid the rays are cheap and smart the rays and the a's are cheap but make the postseason every year then there's being cheap and trying to suck still and that's what we do and we don't even need to be cheap because we have the third richest owner in the sport absurd pisses me off to no end uh i've been on the archer to detroit train since you can probably go back i uh diamond digest is a web, a beautiful website with beautiful people that i that i write for um and on one of their podcasts i want to say during the postseason i said that i want that i think that was the first time i made it public so like I've been on this wave since the 2020 season. And it's now almost the start of. Tw- you know, he signed. It's almost 20. 20- it's ridiculous, man. Ridiculous, and it pisses me off. And, you know, I spent a lot of the day today re watching uh, highlights from when we were good. And it just sucks. It sucks, man. But. Hopefully, this is where I try to be optimistic, even though I'm clearly not. Uh, we can maybe be good in a couple of years when Spencer Torkelson comes up. So, the uh, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, the prospect rankings for the MLB, the top 100, came out and we had five in the top 25, which has never happened before, ever. Um, so, let's start breaking out some of these kids, man. Uh, Spencer Torkelson comes in at the top. He is the number three prospect in baseball according to MLB.com, and the number one prospect in the Detroit Tigers farm system. Um, Spencer Torgelson is the man. He's the guy. I mean, that's that is. You know, we, we have all. You know, we have Mize and, and Scooble and and Green and Manning and stuff, and we have all these other great prospects. Even throw Fieito, maybe Paredes in there, but. Torkelson's the guy that when he was drafted, you went, okay, let's start trending up again. We're, he's gonna lead the way, he's gonna carry the torch. He might not even be the best guy guy out of the five. You know, we'll talk about that as as this whatever you want to call it series goes on. But that's the guy. When we took him on draft night, we went, okay, there's a face to this rebuild now. And yeah, obviously Mize went number one too. And, and like I said, we've had a lot of other great prospects, but, but not like that, man. This guy was breaking Barry Bonds' home run records in college. He went to ASU, which is where Bonds went. He was literally breaking Barry Bonds' records in college. And if he would have played a full junior season and it didn't get cut short due to COVID, he would have broken a lot more because he was on the tail of a couple more. He broke his he broke Bonds' his, uh, freshman home run single season record, and he would have broken Bonds' career um, home run record had it not gotten cut short due to COVID most likely. That's the man. And he seems like a, he's a great personality. He says all the right things. Seems like a cool kid. Um, that's the guy. That's the guy. And people want, you know, oh, is he going to play third? Or, or you know, now we're hearing, like, left field. or No, he's going to be a first baseman, and it's going to work out beautifully. Okay? He – here's the thing. So, Baseball America, um, in one of their reports – they had, they had a guy breaking down uh, on draft night. they had a guy breaking down, because you know, we took we drafted him as a third baseman for whatever freaking reason. So they had people on draft night breaking it down and, and he was like, "Look man, what position does Spencer Torgelson play? He plays offense. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. He put him on defensively wherever he's going to be best, obviously. But but you drafted him for the stick, man. You didn't you didn't draft Spencer Torgelson because he's gonna be some some good defensive third baseman or some good defensive left fielder. You didn't even draft him because he's gonna be a good defensive first baseman, even though I think he could be. You drafted Spencer Torgelson because he has he is considered to be one of the best offensive players to come out of the draft in like damn near 20 years that's why you drafted him he's gonna be great i can't wait uh will you will you see him in the majors in 2021 no you won't and i don't think you probably should what's the point uh here's the thing if he had gotten a full Or whatever, half a season of minor league ball last year. You might be able to convince me, but even then, probably not. This dude hasn't even seen a pitch of minor league baseball yet. Let's remember that. Has not even seen a minor league pitch. Just went from the draft to the to the Toledo COVID site, and he's probably going to start in Double A, which is sick. Uh, I'm so happy for that. It looks like him and Green might both start in Double A, which is even sicker. That's going to be a fun team uh, to watch. So, Spencer Torkelson, I'm thinking May of 2022. That's how they get around the service time and blah, blah, blah. Or we might have a lockout and that might turn into like June or July of 2022. I don't know. These owners and players can't agree on anything. I think a lockout is pretty much inevitable next year. But, let's not think about that now. We're thinking positive thoughts. Spencer Torkelson. Is the man? What kind of player do you think he's going to be? Is some I get asked that all the time. Um, Some people like to think that he's going to basically. I I get asked, is he going to be a low average, ton of home runs guy, or like a low to mid thirties home run guy with still high power, or what? Here's the thing, man. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And I don't say that lightly. As most people call me a pessimist, I, I do. Not, I am not afraid to talk smack about any thing with this the sports situation in this city. I'm really not because it's a joke currently. Spencer Torgelson can be anything he wants, man. He has insane strike zone perception. Insane. Like he draws walks. He doesn't strike out a lot. He hits for a high average, and he breaks Barry Bonds' home run records. That's why he's the best offensive talent to come into the draft, probably since Mark DeShera, like damn near 20 years ago. He's the man. So, So I don't know. I don't know what kind of development path he's going to take, but he can do whatever he wants. If the Tigers and him decide it's more beneficial for him to, to bat 250 but hit 45 to 50 home runs, hell yes. Obviously, that's sick because he's still going to draw probably a lot of walks too because he's a, he's got a damn good eye. But am I going to be mad at a dude with an over 400 on base percentage that bats 300 and hits 30 to 35 homers? Obviously not. These all sound like, both of these are, are, you know, depending on the rest of his stats, potential MVP candidates, right? Obviously, neither of those are bad. He can be whatever he wants, man. Whatever development path he takes, he will succeed at. And because he's so good at everything at the plate, he has a lot of avenues he can take. He will be fine, and I cannot wait to see him, Um, hopefully next year hopefully next year 2022 is when you're going to start seeing the, hopefully the uptick in the Detroit Tigers okay all right the Detroit basketball Pistons first off what are we doing vote for Jeremy Grant all this talk about oh Jeremy Grant should be an all-star Jeremy Grant should be an all-star he's like 10th on the forwards voting he's not even close to making it right now so stop complaining about Killian even though he's played seven NBA games. Stop complaining about how bad the team is. Stop complaining about Casey. Realize we have an all-star and actually freaking vote for him. He should be an all-star. I'm going to be very upset if we let him down. Okay? Vote for Jeremy Grant for the love of everything. Jeez. Okay. Now let's get into Killian. Um, this is weird. I don't under like I said I didn't go deep enough into the rabbit hole here to really understand where this came from, where it originated, who started it. But I mean, my gosh, it blew up. The Detroit t- Tigers, the Detroit Pistons, Twitter world community uh, was was going to war at each other over Killian. People were picking sides. People were calling people names. It looked like it was straight out of a out of a movie. Okay. It was wild. Got a little bloody, a little gruesome. Some, some PG-13 action on the Twitter world over Killian Hayes. First off, before we get into my opinion of him, I want to say this is ridiculous. And it's Twitter. So, like, yeah, it's going to be ridiculous because it's Twitter. But, even for Twitter standards, this is a little ridiculous. This dude is 19. He's a teenager. He has played seven career NBA games. And he hasn't played in weeks. Where did this come from? I, if anyone knows the origin of it, I would love to know. Because I, where did this come from? I'm up to date on my bun and cardigan shows. I know it didn't come from them. From Nick and James Andrew III. It didn't come from Tony Dombrowski. Cause I'm up to date on all his stuff too. It didn't come from Nick. I, I don't know where this came from. But it erupted. It erupted. And everyone's all up in arms. And then and then the bigger those guys did have to pick it up because it was the talk of the town. It's what everyone's talking about. And that's why I'm talking about it too. For whatever reason, Killian became a huge a huge topic of conversation. So, so let's get into this. Killian A's taking seventh overall. Um, man, I, I just want to keep saying calm down, but I've already said it a million times. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna try to not keep repeating myself, which I fail at uh, very often to be honest. Um. Okay, let's start with this. Again. I'm going to repeat myself right off the bat, even though I said I wasn't going to. He is 19. Take a deep breath. He's 19. He has played seven NBA games. You can count on your two hands how many games Killian Hayes has played at the NBA level. Okay? Now, if you think that Killian Hayes is ever going to be some 25 to to 30 point a game scorer... I don't know what to tell you like you're just an idiot. I don't like calling people names that I don't know for no reason, but like that's that's stupid. You just don't you just don't know why he was drafted or, or what his value is. You don't know what kind of player he is. He's never going to be a 28 point a game guy. That that's okay. So so if you're mad that that people drafted behind him are better at scoring, that's ridiculous because that's not why we took him. Killian Hayes, even if the Detroit Pistons win the NBA championship in 2027, okay, it will not be at the hands of a 28-point-per-game Killian Hayes. Even if everything goes right in this rebuild and we're a championship team down the road, it will not be because of Killian Hayes' scoring. Now, he obviously needs to take a big step forward in it. He can't score, you know, six a night. But if he can just be in that mid-teens range, the reason that we actually did draft him will be so valuable that he can be a really valuable player and a, and a really good point guard in this league for a long time With like 15 to 17 points a night. And that reason is his playmaking. He is a phenomenal passer. His vision is unbelievable at 19 years old. It's already unreal. You can go watch tape of the tiny ass sample size of seven games. Go watch those games. Watch him find everybody on the open floor consistently does he have turnover is there some stupid turnovers yes he's 19 and he's seven games into his career absolutely did he get too passive at times probably he's averaging like six points a game that being said the raw ability to find the open man and to set people up is there and it is phenomenal Just because he's not dropping LaMelo ball triple-double numbers. And that's the other thing. Then there's people on there that said, well, we shouldn't have taken him. And honestly, what we should have done is just given up our entire future of picks so that we could have taken LaMelo at three. Okay. I, I'm I'm a big ball family guy. I, I, got a, I got a BBB t-shirt. I won't even lie to you. I'm a big LaMelo guy. I would have loved for the Pistons to not get hosed in the lottery and for us to have been able to take LaMelo ball. Absolutely. If the Hornets liked LaMelo, why on earth would they do that? And honestly, as great as LaMelo's been, and I think he's going to be phenomenal, are you really confident enough in two and a half weeks or whatever of LaMelo ball to be able to say, damn, I would have given up our first round pick for like three years in the middle of a rebuild when we're going to have high, high draft picks because no one else on this roster is getting you th- the, in the into the top three. You were going to have to trade seven and you're going to have to trade more first future, future first rounders. So you would have just had LaMelo and nothing. You would have just rather have had LaMelo and then like no first rounders until LaMelo's like third season in the NBA and then we can start building up. I mean, teach their own, but that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So, to, to slowly kind of start wrapping this up. A, again, he's 19 and played seven games. B, uh, if you're expecting at any point in his career for him to be an insane leading scorer on a playoff team i don't want to like just come out here and like you know thrash you and be like you don't know what you're talking about but like you, you don't know what kind of player he is clearly that was never the reason that the pistons took him ever at no point you know, four months ago when he wasn't even a piston and we were going through draft combines and scouting reports, we weren't even like, damn, this dude might be a 30-point-a-game guy someday. Not the kind of player he is. And see, The kind of player he actually is, is a playmaker, and he has the potential to be a damn, damn good one. A damn good one. It's there, man. It's there. If he can just be a a fifteen to eighteen point a game scorer, an average defender, but flirt with ten assists a night, he's gonna be damn good on this team for a long time. Okay. So I don't know where all that came from. I don't know where all of the the random Killian slander. And/ or praise came from. I don't know where the fight originated from, but it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It never should have happened. I don't know who's responsible, but it's so dumb. It's so dumb. He's a teenager. He's 19. Seiku's 20. You see that with a lot of these guys. We have four rookies and and Seku on this team. A third of our roster is like the age of 21 or younger. A third. Have some patience, man. It's gonna be all right. I really love our draft. I think we did a great job of, of getting top end talent that that has the potential to be starters as well as uh, really valuable like potential down the road role pieces. Um, that, uh, that are going to be very valuable for us too. I love Killian. I love this rebuild. I love the moves we've made. And, and that boy Weaver, he keeps that clip empty. We already knew. we've been new. Keeps that clip empty, baby. All right. Now on to the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. Um... Well, let's start with a recap of uh, in my world last night's game. So let's start with a recap of Wednesday night's game against Tampa. Jeez um, we lost was it five to one? Pretty sure it was five to one. It was five to one, right? Yeah. Pretty sure I should probably know that. It was, I think it was five to one. Tampa Bay scored three goals in the first five minutes of the game. That is correct. Three goals in the first five minutes. Woo! I love being a fan of these teams. It's so much fun and so much serotonin just pours into my brain when. I watch my four favorite teams on the planet get thrashed every night, no matter what. It's just so great. And I'm so happy about it. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, let's dive into this game. For starters, I don't think any... Of the goals, um, any of the three in the five were were due to the man between the pipes. I really don't. All three of those were some of the worst defensive breakdowns I've ever seen, and I watched last year's team. So I should really tell you how bad they were, considering all of those games are, are put into that mix. Horrible. Horrible defense. We had – it's one of them was a one-timer where there just wasn't – no defender went over to play help defense. One time for the one time, big bang, your mom's your uncle. Um, Then another one – the other one was honestly just a a flick of the wrist, but horrible defense. The one that bothers me the most – was the one where Tampa Bay's in the zone for this entire play. And eventually, the defense is so bad that Tampa ends up with three dudes all right in front of the net. And they basically are just playing hot potato with it in front of the net until the goalie bites too hard at one point and it's an easy flick of the wrist. No, no, no dangles. No insane passing. No crazy moves to get an open look. No deking the goalie. Literally, just three dudes, all right in front of the net, just passing it back and forth to each other until one of them has an opening, and they just dump it in. It was some of the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. It was horrible. It's been horrible. This isn't new. It doesn't make it any less frustrating. (laughs) So bad. So bad. Um, Also, Brome gets sent down to the taxi squad before the game. Is almost inexcusable. It's pretty close to inexcusable. Honestly. He's been one of the most productive players. He's had... I don't know if I want to call it bad luck. Because at the end of the day, he is shooting the puck, but he has—he's had some bad. Advanced stats are a beautiful thing. Obviously, we know that I'm a nerd like that. He has zero goals on the year, but when it comes to um, scoring opportunities and, and and goal chances, he is one of the highest on the team. It doesn't make sense. He's been one of the most electric players. He's applying pressure. He actually plays like he gives a damn, which isn't a stat at all. That's the boomer in me talking. But, like, I don't care. It's true. And the Red Wings just went, you know what? Taxi squad. And Wings Twitter had a fit. Um, And then today, well, yesterday for you, um... Hiroshi also gets the boot to the taxi squad. Now, Zadina's back, so that one's a little bit more excusable. But still, I don't really care. Find someone else. There's worse players on the team. Oh, my gosh. So, all these roster moves then lead us to Blashel. Leads us to Blashel. Um... Okay, here's the thing: Blaschel should be fired. Blaschel should. Be... Those who follow me on Twitter, hashtag Blasch to the trash. Okay, we've got we've got a little movement going. Blasch to the trash. Um, the ridiculous thing about this is that there are defenders of Blaschel. I don't even know if I want to call it that. Okay, here, here's my evening. I'm watching the game with, with with a buddy of mine, one of my closest friends. Him, he comes over, we're watching the game, okay? And as the game's going on and we're getting pumped on national TV, we're like, damn, man, these line changes are horrible. These roster decisions are horrible. The taxi squad thing, this is a joke. we what the the passing is horrible. The coaching is just so bad. This has gotta stop. And so, like, okay, Fire blast. it was a, you know, that's that's a nice hashtag, but we start movements over here, okay? We, Doll to Detroit had nice alliteration, the D in the D. We start movements. Okay, so, we thought of it, and we thought of Blash to the Trash, and we wanted to start it, and then we had some people uh, telling me that Okay, here here's the one take that, that I think is hilarious. This is one of my favorite takes. I had someone in the tweet, and they went through and deleted their entire thread. So you can't, there's no even proof of this, so I apologize. Uh, they went through at the end of the night and literally deleted like 15 tweets of their entire thread um, after we were done with our back and forth. But I had one guy. Um in my mentions, tell me that me saying that I think Blaschel should be fired is me saying that I think I know more than Steve Iserman. And that, uh, it, you know, it's ridiculous and that I I think I am, by start trying to start a trend to get Blaschel fired, I'm basically saying that I know more than Iserman and I know more than the general manager of the Red Wings. That was his take. And with talking to him, he wasn't even really defending Blashel. He wasn't even like, no, Blaschel's a good head coach. We should keep him and see, blah, blah, blah. He was just like, Oh, I have complete trust in Steve. If Steve doesn't fire him, that it doesn't want him fired, then I don't want him fired. Whatever. And and he kept coming every time I made a point. He would say, oh, so you just think you're smarter than Steve Eisman then, huh? What on earth? What? What are we talking about? What, bro? What? I was laughing so hard the entire time. It was hilarious to me. He wasn't even defending Blaschel. He wasn't. He wasn't even saying he's a great coach. He literally just kept saying, hey man, uh, if uh, you could have the best coach in the history of hockey, we'd still be horrible. Uh, there's no point in firing him mid-season, and if you, you by, keep, by continuing to reiterate that you want him fired, you're basically saying you know more than Steve Iserman, and that's ignorant. First off, I'm very aware of how bad this team is. Very aware. And I agree, the best coach in the history of hockey would not get this team out of the gutter of the NHL. Okay, Totally agree. But insinuating that because I want change, and insinuating that because I want the worst coach in the history of this franchise fired, that that means i know more than steve Iserman. and that somehow that means in my brain i'm telling myself i should be the gm of the red wings is one of the most hilariously horrible takes i've ever heard in my life it was hysterical we thought he was trolling until he went through and deleted all the, all of the entire thread so there's no evidence of it you can see all my replies i don't delete anything i don't delete none no matter how good or how bad my takes are. I leave them up there. So you can go see my half of the argument at least. It was one of the most ridiculous evenings I've ever had. I've, I've been in some pretty mind-numbingly, like, egregious arguments. That one's up there. Flyer, Fire Blasio was trending... A couple of weeks ago. And this dude apparently just thinks that now the whole city of Detroit is on their high horse. And on a power trip that doesn't exist. And is just conceited and ignorant as hell. And that we... All, the entire city here thinks that we know more than than Steve. And you know what's going to be awesome? Here, here's going to be my favorite part of all this. If Blaschel... If he... You know... And... and It's not that deep is my point. Like, if he makes it through the season, fine. I'm more voicing my displeasure to make sure, not to make sure, because I know my voice doesn't really mean anything to anyone. Nonetheless, the front office of the freaking Red Wings. But my point is I want to voice my displeasure. I I want to make sure that it is known that people don't want him back in the fall. Not that he needs to get cut ties with tonight. Not that he shouldn't have a bus ride. Ho- and you know what? Guess what? If he did get fired tonight, sweet. I'd be pretty happy about it. But the whole point is to just make sure that it is known that no one thinks that Blaschel should be the head coach next uh, next season. He should not be behind the bench next year. That's the point. I- this is Twitter. The whole point is to just put your thoughts out there. All I'm doing is voicing my displeasure with how horrible a, of a coaching job has been, how horrible the coaching position has been handled this year. And this dude thinks that I'm saying I know more than Steve Iserman. And he said it like 15 times. I wish he didn't go through and delete it all. It was hilarious, bro. It was hilarious. It was so hysterical. Um, so yeah, I I I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with people sometimes. But that being said, back to the original point. Blashell is not the answer for this team long term. He played his role. He played the garden hire role that the Tigers had. Hey man, we're going to suck. There's nothing you can do about the fact that we're going to suck. So you're going to be the head coach of this team during the dark ages. And then once we're starting to trend up again, even if just a little bit, once we've hit the bottom, as far down as we can go, which is 2019, 2020. Once we've hit the uh, the rock bottom of this team, and, and even if we're even if we're flatlining, we're not even moving up yet. Once we've hit rock bottom, then we find somebody else to try to take us up again. And and he's done that role fine. More power to him. He got to be the head coach of the team that he rooted for growing up. He's he's from you know Michigan. Cool man. It's a nice story. But he's not a good coach. He's not. The lines are ridiculous. The taxi and up and down is ridiculous. And I know Steve has a hand in that too. I'm not trying to put it all on him. But but it's definitely part of him too. Um, I think the line management has been pretty atrocious. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just thought it was funny. I just wanted to share my, my, my funny evening of, of people saying, because uh, that's just so ridiculous. I can't get over how ridiculous that is. Like you could say that about any sports talk radio person to ever live. Like this is the industry. This is the field is, is voicing your opinion. I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. And I thought it made for an interesting story. And it also ties into the, the main point, which is That's um, It's such... He's not the one, man. He's not the one. And like I said, that's fine. He's done a fine job here. He hasn't. But he, he's, he's filled his role well. I'll put it that way. He has done a fine job filling the role of placeholder. While we suck historically. Like I said... Exact same situation garden Hire was in exact same. Okay. So Blaschel needs to go. Um, Blaschel to the trashel Blash to the trash, baby. Um, it's, it's just, like I said, it's time. I don't, I don't want to keep getting hung up on it, but it's absolutely time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else on the wings Zadina's back Friday. So by the time you're listening to this, the Z-Man will be back. That is awesome. Or he's supposed to be. I guess I shouldn't set that in stone. He's projected to be practiced uh, Thursday. So hopefully by the time uh, ping the ping. I just mixed the Pistons and the Wings together. Pistons and Wings both play Friday. So hopefully he will be back by then. Um, What else? We haven't won a game with anyone besides Bernier and Nett in, like, over a year, a calendar year. Pretty sure that's real. There's a lot, man. Maybe not over a count. Maybe, like, maybe it's, like, around a year. I don't know. This team's a disaster. Uh, Larkin still looks good, though. Almost a point a game. That's nice. Um, also, shout out to the Fox. Just the Red Wings, man. Gosh, how can you not love this franchise? It's so crazy to me like they put up a graphic of uh of Larkin Larkin played his 400th game on Wednesday and they put up a graphic of the most points through 400 games in your first 400 games as a Red Wing in, in like Red Wing's history. And uh he he was like just under 300. I think he has he had like 275. That sounds right. 273 somewhere around there points in his first 400 games, which is solid. That's, you know, it's 75% or .75 points a game, which considering the teams that he's been on is is pretty respectable, I would say. It's pretty good. Um, not anything unbelievable, but it's, it's, it's respectable. And that respectable number got him like ninth on this list just because we're the freaking Red Wings. And for those who didn't see the graphic, the most all-time was Iserman, who had 500 points in his first 400 games. Open your front door, turn the knob, let that sink in. Because when he took over, those were some pretty bad teams too. They weren't this bad, but he he didn't play on really any fantastic uh, teams his first 400 games really either, especially his first probably 150 Unreal, man. Unreal. Alright, let's wrap up with the Detroit football Lions. I feel like my camera's like slowly been shifting this entire time. Okay. Lions. Right. On on topic. Coaching staff, man. Um, I love it. I love the coaching staff this team has built. I love the direction we're heading. I think I have not had a lot of faith in any of these teams rebuilds. And we are all going through a rebuild at the same time. The only one I have faith in really is the Wings because of how much I trust Steve. Much to Twitter user whatever his name's dismay. I actually have a lot of faith in Steve Eisman and think he's one of the best general managers in the sport. Um, that being said, it's really hard to have a lot of optimism when you have like a 37-point season. Cut short due to COVID or not. You could have doubled our point total and we still would have been damn near last place or like second to last. That's how bad we were, okay? Um, so, that Wings, light at the end of the tunnel, but it's far away. Um, the Tigers, I think I've made that pretty vocal. Um, I think Vila's horrible at his job, and I have no faith that Chris Illich will spend money when it's time to. And I'm terrified that this team is just going to be horrible for the Entire decade of the 2020s. Um, the Pistons have been in a, a the definition of irrelevant for a decade. Probably, the, uh, you know, I have this conversation, this debate with people all the time. I think you could argue, and I love the Pistons, obviously. Favorite team and best, you know, all these teams are my favorite teams. But, like, uh, you know, I grew up on the Pistons. The Pistons, outside of the Tigers, The like, the Pistons were my second love growing up. Um, I think you could legitimately argue that the decade of the 2010s, the Pistons were the most irrelevant franchise in all of sports. All four sports combined. I think you could argue they were the most irrelevant in, in all of sports. The only thing they have going for them is that they're in the NBA. They've literally been... They made the playoffs twice and got swept as an eight seed both times. And every other year, they never had like a top five pick. They were always like one of the best two teams to miss the playoffs. They were just a pit of mediocrity for literally a decade. Um, so it's hard for me to really trust anything they do, even though I love Weaver and the direction he's going. He's keeping, keeping the clip empty. Um, and and obviously the Lions, I hate I hate the, the likes just saying, oh, the Lions are the Lions, but like, when you're talking about the past, I'm allowed to say it. I don't think it's justifiable to use it as a future thing. Like, like oh, how can you have faith? To, like, SOL, the Lions are the Lions. That's stupid. But, like, let's talk about... We're talking about the past here. I'm allowed to say it because that's already happened and set in stone. The Lions have been the Lions. Okay? So, believing in rebuilds has been tough. Um, that being said, ramble done. Um... The Detroit Lions, I have I have a lot more faith in this rebuild than I have in any of these rebuilds in quite some time, I think. I think that's probably true, which terrifies me to say because I've gotten my heart broken way too many times by this franchise, more than I would care to admit. Matt Patricia's career started off with a pick six, And that was, like, the highlight of his, like, era. And we lost that. We got pumped. We lost that game by, like, three touchdowns. That's, like, the highlight. Well, the Patriots game. Whatever. Side tangent. Stop. Focus. All right. All I'm saying is the moves that we have made have have made me have so much more faith in this franchise than, than I... Honestly, than I ever could have imagined I'd ever have. I never... I ain't never, ever at any point in my life, if you would have told me this feeling that I have deep down in my, in my stomach, in my beer gut. Okay. If you would have told me at any point in my, in my 22 plus years on this planet that I would ever have this feeling about the lions, this feeling of hope and somewhat of direction and faith, faith in the lions. I probably would have laughed in your face, man. Like, there is literally no way that is ever possible. But, here we are. Coming off a train wreck of a season. They have, you know, they have me drinking all the Kool-Aid. All of it. I make a bowl for myself. I don't know, man. I really like the, 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 the hirings that were made. So, we'll start with... Uh, let's start with Dan. Why not? Let's start with Dan Campbell. Um, here's the thing. So here's my opinion of Dan. I think he is a leader of men. And I know that that's like way overused nowadays. That was like not an expression eight months ago. And then like Richard Sherman in the middle of the season said Robert Sala was a leader of men. And now that's everybody's like favorite phrase to use. Um, regardless, I I think he is that. I think he is a leader of men. And I think he's a player's coach. And I think people will love to play for him. Which is something Matt Patricia could have only dreamed of saying. Okay? So we'll start with that. I really do think that just on a strictly personnel and people wanting to play here and wanting to play for him, it's it's a plus. I, I think people, I, I, I completely see why and, and agree and, and think that that is true. I believe in all that. Okay. That being said, I think he might be the kind of head coach where you have to have really good X's and O's guys on each side of the ball to make him an effective head coach. Now again, he hasn't even coached one NFL game for the Detroit Lions yet. He was an interim in Miami for a little bit. We got a little taste. Uh, but even then... It, that, being P p, I don't think people realize how di- how different a full time being an interim head coach and being a full time head coach really is when it comes to decision making and stuff. He has a six year deal here. He can he can kind of loosen up and have some faith that he's going to be here and not think about his job for every play call. Okay. Um. Uh, but I do think I do worry. I guess is the word. Um. I do slightly worry that the X's and O's, I don't think he's a stupid guy. Whether you think he's qualified or not, he still worked his way up and got to a point where he could be interviewed for head coaching jobs in the NFL. I don't think he's an idiot. I think he knows what he's doing. He played in the NFL, for crying out loud. But when it comes to being a head coach at the NFL level, I think it might be a situation... Where you need really good X's and O's guys uh, for the OC and the DC. Now, let's talk about the DC. Because uh, I'm in love with him. I'm absolutely in love with him. Um, I think that uh, Glenn is the man. I think Aaron Glenn's the man. I think – and this is why I think I have so much faith in this coaching staff is because I do think that you need to surround him with good X's and O's guys and he'll be – he'll take the other side of coaching. Not that he won't – you get what I'm saying. He'll His expertise is in the other part of coaching. So you need some guys to help with the X's and O's and I think if you surround him with that, he could be a really effective head coach. And I think that's what we have and that's why I'm so excited. Aaron Glenn is is the man. He's the man. Ask anyone. I don't care if you haven't spoke to them in in eight years. If you know of the existence of a Saints fan, hit them up tonight and just be like, hey man, what are your opinions on Aaron Glenn? I promise you, it will be, I am devastated he was gone. I wanted him to be the DC when what's-his-nuts over there retires in a couple of years. I promise It's the overwhelming response, and it has been since we made the hire. He is thought of so highly in this league. He is also thought of as a leader of men. He's also thought of as a great developer of defensive backs. Oh, and we just took Jeff Okuda. To my dismay, we took Okuda with the third overall pick last year. Okay? This fit makes a ton of sense. Even and you don't make an, a a hire for one guy. I totally get that. I I think the sky. I think that's a that's a future head coach. I think Aaron Glenn is a future head coach. I think he's going to do phenomenal things here. I think the sky is the limit for him. His seal ceil- to quote MJ. The ceiling is the roof for this guy. I think so highly of him. The Saints have thought so highly of him. The entire NFL thinks so highly of him. I think this guy is uber talented and could be either a DC in this league for a long time or at some point a head coach. Sky's the limit. I can't wait to see what he does with uh, Okuda specifically, but really the entire defense being that it was so unbelievably mind-numbingly horrible last year. Um, That's obviously what I... uh, I also want to say, don't expect like a top five defense of the first year. This defense is unfixable. Okay, N- Belichick could not come over and f- make this defense good right now. Okay, we had a lot of work to do. But at a bare minimum, you're going to see better play calling. You're going to—I I pray you actually see people blitz for the love of everything that is holy on this green earth. Blitz people. Holy cow! You have no idea how hard it was for me to not swear during that. Thing. Geez. I can't believe we literally went three years and blitzed like four times. Oh my gosh. I do not miss that man at all. Anyway, on the offensive side, we get Anthony Lynn. I love it. I love it. Again, this obviously the head coach experiment with him probably didn't go to plan, but you can't deny the offense looked damn good, especially this past year. Offense wasn't really the problem. Some t- costly turnovers and stuff, but they had a rookie quarterback. A damn good one, but they had a rookie quarterback. The offense was never really the problem. And I also think putting a guy, n- you know, no matter his success, putting a guy next to Campbell that has head coaching experience is a great idea. I love this hire. And some people kind of tarnished it uh, the day of. I. I I think this is a great hire. I think this is a great move. Go back to your role as being a a purely offensive guy. You don't have to worry about handling both sides of the ball. You get to talk into the ear of a new head coach. Um, You're probably going to have a lot of uh, – not a lot. I I, I don't want to make it sound like he's just going to have free reign to do whatever he wants, but you're probably going to have more pull than you would in a lot of other places because you have a first-time head coach. I don't know. I'm I, I really excited. It's going to also come down to who we who we draft. I I kneel on my bedside and pray that we take that Justin Fields falls to us at 7 and we draft him every night before I go to bed. But regardless, I'm really excited for this offense. I'm really excited with the things he can do. We have a lot of pieces, as plenty of people have pointed out. We actually have some pieces to build around on the offensive side. I'm really excited to see what Lincoln can do. Okay, The front office is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Brad Holmes. And again, th- this is the thing they did so intelligently. Holmes' first time GM. Not even an assistant GM. Was, was the head of college scouting. Okay, Gets a spot to be the GM. What do we do? Let's bring in a ton of guys to be his assistants that are former general managers, including one of the guys that people wanted to be the general manager as the assistant in Dorsey. Incredible move. Incredible move. Any of those assistants can get picked off over the next couple of years and go be GMs other places if this rebuild goes well. And they will have passed on knowledge and hopefully Holmes can just take over the reins and be a solid GM for for years to come. And Lynn. You know, back to the OC, jumping around. I'm not sure he's going to get an HC job again. I don't know if he did that well. We might just have our OC if things go well for the, for a while now. I really like all these moves, man. I love the, the way the staff is shaping up. I love everything they're doing when it comes to the staff and coaching hires and general manager hires and front office moves and all that kind of stuff. I, I really love it. And obviously, we know my opinion of getting two firsts for Matt. I think we we've won the trade. I think both teams won the trade. But I think we got incredible value for Matt um, for the first time in a long time. I'm very optimistic about the future of the Detroit Lions, and that's super exciting. I think that's going to do it for the Lions, which means that'll do it for this episode and this week's episodes. This week's worth of episodes. That's the phrase. So I will be back in your eyes and ears on Monday. Um, we're on everything. We're on everything. We're on Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts or whatever it's called, but it's weird. So like, tell me if it you use that platform and it's not there. Tell me because it's being super weird and taking forever. But I'm pretty sure it says it's on there. So I don't know. We'll figure that out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Again, the support has been overwhelming. I love doing these. Um, and I'm so happy that this is a, a, a possibility for me to do and an opportunity that presented itself for me. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for returning. Thanks for putting up with me as as my brain is scrambled eggs and I go a million different directions a, a second. And uh, I will s- have a great weekend and I will see you back here Monday for episode five. Um, Monday's show. yeah, it's gonna be on time.' It'll be an interesting weekend. Got some games to play. Got some baseball free agents that could sign. Um, depending on how the wings play, the blastial seat could get even hotter than it already is. Uh, we got some stuff, man. We got some stuff to talk. There'll be no shortage of things to talk about, uh, and it's the middle of February, so NBA NBA uh, uh, trades should start opening up here soon too. So, have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope, and I will catch you all Monday. Go Detroit sports, baby.